The first reading is from Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. The second reading is from Romans chapter 5, beginning verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. If because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. The third reading for this evening service is from the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemy should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart 
in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this evening's message is from the Old Testament lesson that you heard, Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. But at this time, I'm just going to highlight these words from verse 21. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. This is our text. You know, so much of Christmas is about clothes. There's the ugly sweater that you'll don at the Christmas party. There's the coordinating outfits and the colors of the season that you hope will be displayed on a Christmas card yet to be ordered. There's the matching pajama pants that your mom picks out for you so you might wear them on Christmas Eve. And then, of course, there's always that search for that perfect clothing, that Christmas gift that you can give to your beloved. We spend a good deal of energy this time of the year worrying about what we're, what we're going to wear. And for good reason. The clothing of Christmas tells a story, doesn't it? It tells the world something about the excitement that we have as we celebrate this holiday season. Well, the same can be said of the scriptures. The clothing in scriptures tells a story. Sure, it's easy to overlook. But with so many other parts of God's word, these elements related to clothing are not accidental. Indeed, these mentions of clothes and coverings and robes and coats are filled with meaning, as we'll learn throughout the Advent season, or at least the next two Wednesdays, Christmas Day and then the first Sunday after Christmas. We're going to learn that indeed, these clothes that appear in Scripture point us forward to the King Himself, to Jesus Christ. The fashion of clothing begins very early in the book of Genesis. We're barely into life in the Garden of Eden, and we hear that Adam and Eve have disobeyed, they've rebelled against God, and they find themselves naked and, and afraid. They're the first of billions of people to buy into Satan's lie that we're better off in life without God without God's lordship and without God's love. As a result of their rebellion, Adam and Eve unleash a tidal wave of divine judgment upon humanity. The biggest of which is the pronouncement that God makes to them that from dust they came and to dust they shall return. Life for mankind will be frustrating, God says, and it will be filled with the realities of sin and death. Perhaps as you 
enter into this Advent season, you are feeling the effects of Adam and Eve's fall from grace. If so, you're not alone. Despite the jolly Christmas music and the festive gatherings, the primary emotions of many during this month of December have to do with loneliness and depression and grief and regrets. It could be that you're already beginning to feel lonely and the grief is beginning to creep into your heart even more than it usually is there. The loneliness and grief of knowing that you're, be, you're absent from your spouse or your parent or your child for this is the first Christmas that you're celebrating without them being present in your life. It could be that you're experiencing depression over the financial pressures that you find yourself in as you enter into the most expensive time of the year, wondering how it is that you're going to be able to put presents under the Christmas tree. For others, this season brings a keen awareness of relational strain. There's the sibling that you're not speaking to, the kid who's disappointed you, the sister-in-law who you unintentionally offended and who no longer wants to talk with you. Or perhaps what you are experiencing is simply a long list of regrets that you carry deep in your heart. Guilt over good things that you've left undone and terrible things that you've done that you cannot take back and undo. Well, there stands Adam and Eve, naked and awash in shame. Their nudity at first, when they were unblemished by sin, was of little account, and at most it was a symbol of their purity and of their safety in God's care. But now, corrupted by sin and vulnerable to the evils of a sin-infested world as well as to their own crooked hearts, their nakedness is now a liability, not to mention a source of shame reminding them that they have now fallen from God's grace. And so what does God do? Does he send them off into the wilderness to fend for themselves, cold and exposed, naked and afraid and covered in their guilt? No, Genesis states it plainly. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Let's let that sink in just for a moment. God made clothes. God himself, with his own hands, fashioned a covering for both Adam and Eve. You might say that God was the first fashion designer. But he didn't use fig leaves, as Adam had done, and he didn't whip up a few yards of fabric from some cotton that he found in the garden. No. This fashion designer worked in leather. And he used skin. Though Adam and Eve and all of humanity had been sentenced to death, the very first to die would not be Adam, it would not be Eve, 
but it would be another. The first to shed blood and to give its life for another would be an innocent animal. The killing of this animal would be done in service of mankind's sin and shame. An animal would lose its life, all so that the guilt and shame of Adam and Eve could be covered with its hide. And so what kind of God would cover over sin and shame of people who've rejected him? What kind of God would not only cover their shame, but do so at such an awful cost? The death of an innocent animal. And it was even God's hand who did the slain. Are you starting to see it? Is it coming into focus for you how this moment of God slaying that animal in the garden ultimately points us to Jesus who was slayed for us. The Lord God says to the wily serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. As some of you probably know, this is known as the first gospel promise. The first declaration of good news because here in this promise, God is saying to Satan, and Adam and Eve are listening into this conversation that God is having with Satan. He is saying, one of Eve's descendants is going to come and crush you. You see, from the very beginning of creation, even, in fact, before the beginning of creation, God had in mind our sin and our shame he had in mind the vulnerability that we all feel. He had in mind the pains and the problems associated with life in this sin-sick world that we're all feeling and that we're all fighting. And God would not be satisfied until we were all covered. And so, the Lord sent His Son into the world as the promised seed of Eve. Just as he had said back in Genesis 3.15. And this promised seed of Eve would destroy the devil's work. And he is the one whose birth we eagerly await to celebrate on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and throughout the 12 days of Christmas. For he is our covering. God again works in flesh and blood. And this time the covering is not the leather of an animal but it's the covering made from the hide of God's own innocent Son, a living human being, Jesus Christ, who was willing to die for you and me, and really for the whole world. Through the loss of the most innocent of human lives, through the shedding of His blood, through the letting out of a last breath, and through the extinguishing of a perfect life, God's forgiveness for rebellious human beings was fashioned. Covering's enough for all the people in this world. In the life and the death of Jesus Christ, there is now an outfit, an outfit custom-made and crafted by God for each and every one of us. 
And though we may wander in a dark and difficult world, in Christ we are wrapped. We're wrapped in the mercy of God. We're protected from the harshest of elements, namely the ultimate effects of our sin. I do not know exactly how you're feeling this night about the vulnerability and difficulty of our sinful world and how you're having to deal with it. But I do know that whatever it is that you are feeling, no matter whatever it is that you're dealing with, that it's covered. It's covered by Jesus Christ. You may think that your difficulty or your sin is too big, it's too awful, it's too evil for Christ to cover, but it's not. It's not. You see, when God makes a covering, He covers completely, and He forgives completely. And in just in case you need a refresher on exactly when it was that God clothed you personally in Jesus' shame-covering, sin-destroying garments of grace, let this be a reminder to you. It was at your baptism. St. Paul says, For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. At the moment that you encountered water and the Word, you were not only given a new name, child of God, and you were not only given new life, including eternal life, the promise of eternal life, but you are also given a new outfit that covered over your nakedness and shame. You were covered in God's grace and mercy. One for you in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, rejoice. Rejoice, for you are clothed, you're wrapped in the Lord's oldest and most fabulous fashion. You are clothed in God's forgiveness. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.